Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the films that turned you on to them. Uh, I am Shelley Brooks, and this week I am flying solo, but we have a very special return guest who is going to join me today. We are so, so excited to have her back. This guest is a... Uh, a writer, a theater maker, a gal about town, um, friend of the pod, um, Shelly's friend from college. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is Veda Kumarji Guda. Hey, happy to be back. Hi, baby. The kids are so happy to have you. The children are so excited to come here to arrive. They missed you, darling. They missed you. (laughs) How are you today, Veda? I'm good. Great weather. Finally feels, you know, nice out. Mm -hmm. Haven't been on, like, on this side of the mic in a long time. I feel like I haven't done a podcast in so long. So, yeah, happy to talk and chat. Well, we are so excited to have you back. These movies. These movies. Well, we should say it is October. It's October 16th while we're recording. It'll be next next week when we release. (laughs) But (laughs) so we are doing a little bit of a spooky season episode today, which we're very excited about. A little scary. And you know me, I'm I love horror films but mm-hmm. I'm actually such a major wimp <laughs> and you have sat with me while watching this movie which is mm-hmm. not even scary I would <laughs> I would say it's atmospheric I would say yes. it's moody I would say it's spooky maybe a light thriller mm-hmm. but why was I jumping out, out of the couch every five minutes like I got so scared Yeah, you got a little freaked out. In fairness to you, I mean, this is considered to be one of, like, the greatest horror films of all time. It is considered to be a horror film. I am, like, unusually inured to, I think, a lot of horror. horror. I don't think it's horror. I mean, Yeah, and I guess, you know, horror has a sort of broad definition. I think that, like, sometimes I get stuck in the 
creepy idea of like horror has to be like you're gonna have nightmares afterward there are jump scares etc etc um I guess yeah horror is just anything that deals with you know grotesquery um broad themes of um yeah yeah, anything that inspires a feeling of horror or revulsion they're perfect October movies though Mm -hmm. they definitely set the scene for like oh yeah darkness that's in the air Mm -hmm. within us yes (laughs) they are they're definitely uh moody yeah, They're- all all three movies that we're going to discuss are good moody movies, and your crush uh, wears a sweater exceptionally well. Oh, he, and a turtleneck, honestly. And a turtleneck, so he makes for a really good spooky season crush, uh, which, you know, without further ado, Beda, who is your crush this week, and what is the main movie we're going to be discussing? So we're going to be talking about my lanky, curly-haired, bright blue eyes, piercing blue eyes. <laughs> crush donald sutherland yeah. in don't look now from 1973 oh so excited and we will get into other sutherland movies we've got like uh as we were referencing earlier we've got uh, you know two others that are good for spooky season that uh, we also love the d-man in um, but yeah we're gonna focus um most of our conversation on don't look now which we're very excited about um yep. so before we get into it um unfortunately michael typically does our synopsis duties but I will valiantly take it on today so for anyone who has not seen don't look now or needs a little refresher here is the plot John and Laura Baxter are in Venice when they meet a pair of elderly sisters one of whom claims to be psychic she insists that she sees the spirit of the Baxter's daughter who recently drowned Laura is intrigued but John resists the idea He, however, seems to have his own psychic flashes, seeing their daughter walk the streets in her red cloak, as well as Laura and the sisters on a funeral gondola. Now, that was a pretty good synopsis, I would say, by IMDb standards. But you always know when you get a pretty good one that the person is going to leave their email and their full name in the signature (laughs) because they want credit. (laughs) This was actually pretty good. But it was pretty good. You've seen much worse. Oh, God, we've seen some real stinkers. So I did not take down the name of this person who left their full name and email. But whoever it was, yeah, snaps to you. (laughs) This is wonderful. (laughs) Now, Veda, you are familiar with the format of this show. Mm-hmm. So you are well aware that before we get into our main conversation, we like to do a little bit of foreplay, do we not? Hello. Yes. Mm, yes. Ooh, we like to get a little, little slick before we get started. And we do that with something we call the sexy trivia game. Now we've got two really short pieces of trivia and one really long one. So, Veda, would you like to start us out with our first two little shorties? But I think you need to come in with some Mm. background information about this one after I tell you. A real-life couple, Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood, were suggested for the new roles of the film. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm. Isn't that right? Sutherland wore a curly toupee throughout the entire show. And sometimes... At a time before Ooh, I love that curly wig. I wonder if in the sex scene he also had a curly merkin. <laughs> <laughs> Two curly wigs. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Every movie. okay. <laughs> Last piece of trivia. Last piece of trivia. <clears throat> when he appeared on Inside the Actors Studio, Donald Sutherland recounted the story of how the infamous sex scene was actually shot, and that it was anything but a sexy or erotic experience. He and Julie Christie were on set at 7 a.m. in dressing gowns, waiting while the room was prepared, and they both had a glass of champagne to calm their nerves. Inside the room was director Nicholas Roig and cinematographer Anthony B. Richmond, each operating their own Mitchell 35 camera. I told you this was long. <laughs> Sutherland and Christie disrobed and got onto the bed, and Rogue and Richmond began filming. The huge Mitchell cameras were unblimped, a.k.a. unsilenced, and as the room was oak-paneled, the noise from the two cameras was amplified hugely. At the time, Rogue began shouting directions over the noise of the camera to the actors such as... Lick her nipples, put your hand between her legs, get on top, etc. The shoot lasted until well into the afternoon before Rogue was satisfied and wrapped. And that's the sexy trivia game. It was a really good sex scene, though. Like, oh, it's so good. It's, it's one of the highlights of the movie, so mm-hmm. I guess the hard work of <laughs> filming well, that- it paid off like to the extent that like it you know it's a long-standing urban legend that it was like an unsimulated sex scene which you know the people involved have got on to say like no that's absolutely not the case we just like made a really good scene but but that was that was the you know the story for a long time so much passion and like Mm -hmm. this couple has been through a lot yeah and that came through with every single one of their movements, like the choreography. Mm. I mean, like, I doubt there was an intimacy coach or anything right. there during that time, as we can see from yeah. that. Trip, Lick your nipples. Wow. <laughs> wow, that acting. No, the acting is, and it threads, it like threads a really interesting needle there because like it is both like so real and so raw, but also like they're both so ridiculously good looking that like, oh it's still like very erotic for the viewer in the masculine form and the feminine form Mm. they're both so good looking yeah oh my god their bodies are crazy (laughs) (laughs) they look amazing yeah yeah no so you get this like strange sort of like feeling of both like titillation and despair when you're watching where you're like oh they're so sad Ooh, but look at that ass is so dark and depressing and this music is really weird everything's so sexy it's it's honestly like a the perfect sad girl sex scene yes right oh it's so true i mean i think this even came up when we were watching this together the other night but like that I talk about the movie Captives all the time because it's got my favorite sex scene. But it's because it's one of these, like, I I never get super invested in sex scenes that exist just to be sexy. Like, I love ones that are really grounded in, like... Well, you needed this for the story. It didn't ever feel gratuitous in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, sex scene. So it doesn't... I don't know, even though it is slightly titillating, like, it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel, like, exploitative in a way just because it's tied to the story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like it. It's nice. Sex scenes are great when, like, you know that the characters need something, and you see that, like, that exchange happening through the sex, through the physicality. Yeah. I honestly think that Donald Sutherland is a very physical actor. Like, oh, sometimes yeah. it's like sometimes his dialogue delivery is really weird to me, and this maybe <laughs> maybe because it's like most of the movies are from the 70s i think he's a great actor yeah but sometimes he's also sometimes, canadian so you know could be that. they talk funny that. and he's not 
he's not good at comedy or like even like oh, I don't know jokes. I at least in the movie in these films. Yeah, but he he is so physical and his expressions are so great and like he's always running in all of these movies you see him running like mm. there's these long shots of his long legs like right. just going all over new york city san francisco yeah. or Venice, and he's just flying well so you know one of the movies that we're going to talk about a little bit coming up is invasion of the body snatchers and i was watching some clips from it uh before we got on and just to like refresh and it was funny i realized that like in both that movie and in Don't Look Now, there are scenes where he like hangs from scaffolding by one arm. And like he plays such a sort of like he wears these like shambolic kind of clothes and he kind of like shuffles around. But then he'll do something like He's very athletic. wildly athletic like that. And you're like, oh, OK. I, I guess he did a lot of I was like, I wonder if he did a lot of those stunts hmm. and he's he moves a lot in all the movies. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, obviously he's a really great actor, which is why he's one of my crushes because mm. of his eyes. Yeah. You oh. can see just like the way he looks at the co-stars. Mm. You can see how much he like wants to understand them. Mm. Maybe like, it's especially in, you know, don't look now. Right. Like mm. his wife is on, is somewhere else. She's like, the grief of her child losing her child and she's just not getting out of it in the same way that he is mm -hmm. and he's trying to understand her and the way that he looks at her yeah and then in oh my god the sexual chemistry in invasion of the body snatchers yeah. like it is a romance yeah. more than a horror like these two belong together at the end of the world yeah. and in like the way that you know, he is looking at, I mean, who could not look at Jane Fonda like that? <laughs> right. So fine. Yes. Like the way he looks at Jane Fonda, I just love watching him look at these beautiful women mm. and then his eyes when he looks at them. Oh my yeah. God. Like, how do you not fall in love with this man? Yeah. Like I want him to look at me like that. Right. Yeah. It's so funny that like, I feel like in, in these three movies, he's kind of this like avatar of this like sort of sensitive modern like 70s masculinity and like he's got this like amazing rapport with his female co-stars and but I remember that the first thing that I ever saw him in was the was MASH was the, the Altman movie it, so that's why which is such kind of bizarre that I've never seen it but it's fine I, I am like a huge Altman fan don't and and like everyone in the cast I love like it's got Sutherland Elliot Gould but I I don't particularly care for Mash, and I had like a kind of a distaste for Donald Sutherland for a long time because of Mash, because he plays such a like dick dickhead like misogynist. Like there's a scene that's like played for like broad laughs in it, where um, one of the few female characters known as Hot Lips, um, the men like prank her while she's in the shower, so she has to like run across the camp naked, and it's like it's so mean spirited and like misogynistic. And so for like ages, I didn't watch other stuff with Donald Sutherland. Cause I was like, Oh, this fucking asshole. Like fuck this guy. All these like old men, they suck so much. And then when I started getting into movies like Clute and don't look now and ordinary people is another great one that he's in where he plays like, you know, a sensitive dad. And yeah, I, it's so crazy. Like how my perception of him is like completely flipped from that. Like first impression. Interesting. Yeah. I just, I think that like it's very even like his mm -hmm. relationships with his co-stars in these movies like they play off of each other so well and I mm -hmm. think uh, 
other than the beautiful cinematography, the mood, the the settings of these stories, like my favorite parts are the way that the co-stars play against each other. Yeah. And I think he maybe allows that to happen. And like they like he seems like very a great person to work with because mm. the power in all of these films is actually the main relationships. Yeah. I mean, even that like bit of trivia of like before they did the sex scene, they like were in the lobby together and they like had a, a glass of champagne. It's like it's yeah, that feeling of sort of like camaraderie of like actors mm-hmm. like actually working together instead of like I mean, sometimes you hear these like gross stories about like, you know, especially older men on set and just like being dismissive towards their female co-stars or like belittling or like objectifying them like yeah the the idea of like and it, it does seem like that was pretty prominent amongst like I, like the, recently I watched the um, HBO series about um, Joanne Woodward and um, Paul Newman and I do think that there was like a certain element to some of those like 50s to 70s like you know, serious actors, like actors who like came from the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is not true for all of them, but like the, a degree of parity between the men and women, I think because so many of those women that like came out of that world were just so undeniably talented and intelligent that like there was a sort of like a leveling of the playing field, you know, that they mm-hmm. like had to respect each other like as fellow artists. Yeah. What's interesting to me also in Don't Look Now is that like, there is this idea of mask actually in all three movies, there's mm-hmm. this idea of masculinity, right? Like Donald Sutherland, you like mentioned that he's like the seventies masculine type of guy. And in don't look now, he does have a very deep intuition. Like the movie mm-hmm. begins with him feeling that something's happening with his daughter. Yeah. Like he sees a sign, he feels this deep intuition and he runs out trying to save her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie after that shows him trying to ignore these feelings and this intuition, which is shown as a much more feminine trait, like he tries to ignore it mm-hmm. while his wife is looking for that feeling of intuition. And the two sisters mm-hmm. that she meets in the play, she's drawn to them because they are so openly aware of the intuition. Right. So like the divide in the movie is like he's doesn't want to listen to his feelings. He's blocked off mm-hmm. like and, you know, it's just like that kind of like looking in the mirror, their disconnection. It's like he's trying to be like this reconstruct and build and ignore all the signs. Mm-hmm. And then what happens when he does start to follow the signs? Like once he thinks his wife is gone, mm-hmm. like he he's like, oh, yeah, no, logic and reason are real. Like this right. is what makes sense. Like it I feel like there's that idea of like this feminine intuition and mm-hmm. this masculine logic and reasoning that is in the film mm-hmm. that comes through. And then when I'm thinking of like invasion of the body snatchers, it's the same thing. Like he's with a woman who is telling him there is something happening. Mm. And he's like, I'm a scientist. You're a scientist. Like, Mm. are you sure? Like, let's go to this therapist guy because like maybe he'll actually like, I don't think you're right. And she's like, no, I felt it. I felt Mm. it. Like my, my boyfriend, which why is she even dating this goon? I know. (laughs) Like him with his huge headphones watching the Warriors game. And she's like, he's not the same he's not the same and he's like ignoring it and that's you know that's in that movie Mm. and in Clute as well like he he's like he has to be open to almost this feminine energy in all three Mm. of these movies and like I don't know they you see him as this masculine guy who is who is attracted to it and understands it Mm. but he is closed off and then later in the movie you see him try in all three you see him open towards it right 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's also something that like, you know, I guess this is not you know feminine per se, but I think it like is an interesting thing for like the persona of a male actor is like how often he's like famously portrayed grief. Like, I mean, obviously Don't Look Now is like all about, you know, a grieving set of parents. Um, but I mean, you know, he was also famous for the movie Ordinary People which is also about losing a child and working through that grief. And like, yeah, there is something interesting to me about, yeah, the fact that like he, the the roles that he's chosen over the years and like, especially in that seventies to eighties period, um, so much of it is like centered around this kind of like deep, deep feeling, but he's not trying to project any sort of like masculine stoicism, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't look now. The grief in that movie is just the way it's shown like mm-hmm. this, you know, like you're trying to capture these peaceful moments, but it always seeps in, mm-hmm. whether it's like ink falling onto the picture or like your your wine falling on the floor. Like mm-hmm. there's just, you never, they're never away from it, no matter how much he's trying to get it. It's right. just so beautiful. And the horror in the film, even though there's just so many shots of like winding, like Venice mm-hmm. in that movie, I was like, I never want to go here because right. it so scary like yeah. the shadow the sinking like the feeling of decay the feeling mm. of like you're trying to restore something that's constantly falling apart why are you trying to mm. restore it it's gonna right. fall apart again like right trying to figure out what's what was there originally like him keeping trying to like dig through this mm. and his wife be wife like trying to do that restoration of the family and herself mm. and like understanding who she is in a different way it is it, it's the decay in the movie, the the mm. hotel that they're staying in, yeah. the, when they get lost, and she's like, I can't, the winding streets. Right. It plays with the repetition of colors, like mm-hmm. the red and blue and the shadows. It's it's very visually engaging. And I when we were watching it together, I was like, it's just so interesting to look at. And I don't mm. know how many more recent movies that I've seen that play with like actually the visual medium of the film <laughs> right. in such a way it's right. so interesting you can fr- you can stop it at any frame mm-hmm. and really look at it for a long time and get something out of watching it yeah yeah absolutely yeah and I love the sense of like the city sort of like trapping them and it's I mean I don't know I, I presumably this comes from um, the De Maurier short story that this is based on as well, but like the fact that the daughter dies of drowning, then they go to like the most famously like watery city they could possibly go to. So like this sense of like, yeah, the, the memories constantly coming back to them and like interrupting every sort of like moment of their day, like getting those sort of like flashes of this horror mm-hmm. repeatedly, but also just like the general, yeah, just even like the general physicality of the city that it's like, I mean, we open with like, you know Donald Sutherland like emerging with his daughter's like corpse from this water and like wailing in agony but then you know they have to spend their days sort of like trolling around the city on bodies of water like that that yeah that is like ever present all around them it's all three movies actually have such a strong sense of place like Mm. Venice is a major character in Don't Look Now like even though the movie starts off with them at home and her drowning in the lake Mm -hmm. And then them trying to get away from that home and then, you know, like where is a safe place? Mm. But then Invasion of the Body Snatchers in this version that they're in, it's set in San Francisco, like the big city Mm -hmm. of San Francisco. And you, I think in the original, I think it was um, like in a small town. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, 
you walk you they really use the city yeah. and then of course my favorite part of clute was seeing 70s new york right totally unfiltered so i just love how in all three movies there's such a strong visual identity of the city that they're in mm -hmm. and how that plays a part in the storytelling and how donald sutherland interacts with the city like whether it's you know focused on details like in this one where he's rebuilding these statues and like mm -hmm. doing the church um refinishing the church and like how he interacts with the city and then like in the in invasion of the body snatchers he's always in the car with the major cracked window so mm -hmm. he's looking at everything through that cracked window yeah and he's like listening on the telephone he's watching through the windows mm. like i don't know it's just it's it's beautiful like all the framings in the movies yeah considering um you know what's happened in the past i guess like 20 years in uh san francisco i'm shocked that there hasn't been uh, a remake of this movie about an alien force coming in and consuming everything in the city. <laughs> I was like, wow, this really hits. Home. Right. Yeah. Oh, timely. Uh, <laughs> uh -oh. All the pod people. My God. Yes. <laughs> it is really funny though. Like thinking about like the specificity of the locations in these films that like, I think that one of the, I mean, I, I generally like love, actors that feel very like of a place I mean that's like part mm -hmm. of the appeal of so many of those like 70s New York actors you're like oh these are like New York guys and like then mm -hmm. so many like contemporary actors try to like pretend to be New York like when Ryan Gosling used to put on a fake New York accent <laughs> <laughs> but like I think that one of the things that really works about Donald Sutherland in all of these movies is that like he he doesn't feel like a man you can pin to like a specific place like he's got a little bit of a Canadian accent I guess but like yes. but he doesn't feel like so sort of like specific so it's like wherever you put him he feels a little bit outside you know yeah he does and it works because often in these these three movies we're using him to view everything else yeah. like we're always using him as the seer right like we don't understand what's going on with his wife and don't look now but mm -hmm. we understand like like he's watching you we always watch him watching his wife or like trying to understand figuring out where she is we see him watching his daughter we see him as the eyes of the movie mm. so it makes sense that he fits in as almost an outsider because he's our perspective yeah and we talked a little bit about sort of the the strange and kind of troubling sort of like body stuff in in the movie like i mean blindness plays like a huge role yeah. in it like blindness as like a symbol and blindness versus sight what is true seeing what is like you know seeing with your eyes versus like seeing with mm -hmm. your soul <laughs> like, yeah so, the sisters mm -hmm. one is blind and she has the gift of second sight and she even says that donald sutherland's character does also have a gift but he mm -hmm. doesn't allow himself to to see it mm -hmm. and yeah her her abilities come from her also not being able to see in right. real life yeah. Yeah. And like it is like a recurring thing in, you know, horror gothic stories that like, yeah, this sort of like a physical difference being um, a symbol, oftentimes a sort of like um, troubling symbol. Like, I mean, not to I, I don't think we have to worry about spoiling this movie from the 70s, but, um, you know, the there's a famous ending in the fact that you know Donald Sutherland's character has been chasing this vision of what he thinks is his little girl around Venice because she died in her um like little red, red raincoat over. yeah and he sees it like a small figure running around the city in like this coat and so he thinks it's like a vision of his daughter 
um, the the famous ending is that like he finally catches up to this figure. Um, we've been hearing throughout that there's like a serial killer loose in Venice, and uh, it turns around and it's um we talked earlier about how we don't know the correct terminology if it's dwarf dwarf is what they say in the movie little person um but yeah it turns out it's like an old person with like a you know haggard face who yeah. it turns out it's a serial killer and murders donald sutherland the ending ruined the movie for me like <laughs> i i was like why did they need to like they were trying to bring this idea of the supernatural throughout mm-hmm. the entire film and like you're connecting to the supernatural and then it's like okay this is a real life killer yeah who is this random like old woman who's killing all these people for right. no reason around venice and it's just it doesn't fit back into the movie and it's it's really like there's a lot of the movie plays so heavily on symbols and like catholic imagery or you know because i guess it's also mm-hmm. in venice like they're playing on um it feels like these like medieval imagery mm-hmm. like that comes that ties into the movie and I, and yeah i just the ending just felt a, a little odd to me that there was an actual real life killer and he's he is died and it's prophecy there's a prophecy throughout mm-hmm. the film that he needs to leave venice otherwise he'll die and he has right. a lot of near-death experiences and the blind woman makes that prophecy mm-hmm. earlier in the film they're trying to get him to leave the city but he is distracted by this red figure who mm-hmm. you know he thinks is his daughter the women are saying it's your daughter trying to make you leave but at the end of the movie it's that this red figure who is not his daughter ends up killing him right. so it's just like what what is this ending yeah but the movie's so beautiful i think it's still worth a watch even mm-hmm. though the ending is just really odd and i do i mean like i i, I get it and i do think that like it is it's, it is scary though it's like, scary they, and like it yeah. is interesting that like you know he's chasing this figure that he thinks is his daughter and like i mean the the film really like lingers on and bodies and on facial features and like you know they make this person look like grotesque, grotesque. they've got like grotesque she's makeup so she's yeah so and so it's like it, it is like an interesting idea of like you follow what you think is like your lovely daughter that you've got these like sort of like hazy memories of like there's like a little haze over all of the flashbacks and stuff and but then you know because you can't let go of your grief and you can't let go of trying to bring back the past like then your daughter is no longer your cute little daughter she's become this this, like monster monster. yeah Yeah. so I mean like I I do like it in that way but it it does feel a little bit like I I get a little I get a little queasy about sometimes the like horror tropes of like ugly people are scary yeah I know it's it's and of course it's like also like how is she, she's so small how is she like literally killing <laughs> right. everyone and throwing them in the river right right it makes no sense right and, like she she whips out this huge like thing to stab him with right this is the size of her and it's just like it's just and it's also cheap like it felt really cheap that like yeah. oh okay it's this little person who's going on this murderous rampage mm-hmm. like, i mean i, I honestly like you know not uh, I feel crazy being like, well, here's how I would do it. It's like, oh yeah, I'd rewrite this like, you know, famous beloved masterpiece. But I mean, if we're already like buying in that, like this, like supernatural stuff does exist. Like to me, I'd almost be like, yeah, what if it really was like the ghost of his daughter, but now she, she herself is like grotesque and scary because like, yeah, yeah because she, I mean, she's become a horror because like he can't let go. Yeah, I like that as an ending. And maybe that's what they were trying to go for, maybe. But I have no idea because there's so much... They keep referencing people drowning and people right. dying and people being found in the river. So yeah. 
is like somebody think, going around and killing them. Yeah, I think that's thematically what the idea is, but yeah. then they like needed to like make it be able to like exist both supernaturally I mean, and realistically. We haven't read the, we haven't read we the haven't, story. Yeah, we, we should read know. the story. <laughs> we don't know what's in actually in the story. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's just they I also, focus on those physical differences and make them seem grotesque and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it it's a little icky. Yeah. Speaking of haven't read the story, I haven't read any Daphne du Maurier. Um, but I will say the first time, like, I love the the Hitchcock Rebecca, mm-hmm. but the first time I watched, watched and I was like so pissed off at the end because like the whole time I was like, oh man, there's going to be a ghost in this house. And then at the end, it's just like, no, I just had a big painting and I killed my wife because she was a bitch. <laughs> 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 you just got freaked out because our housekeeper is a lesbian. <laughs> I was like, wait, no fucking ghost. You're like, where's the ghost? I was I want like, a ghost. You're, setting, you're setting this up to be so scary in that way. Yeah. And then, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, this is psychological horror? Fuck that. Give me a ghost. I really, I wanted the daughter to be there haunting his ass. I know. And especially after like all of the witchiness and mm-hmm. the seances and calling people back from the dead and like yeah. this, the, I don't know. But the movie has so much tarot imagery yes. in it. And it's just like if you are familiar with the cards or have seen images of it, they actually recreate a few of the cards. They have like three of coins or three of pentacles with three people in the church trying to refinish it or build the church. That's an image. They have like the gondolas and this idea of mourning that come through. And it like they also have... um, images of like childhood and youth that are used in the cards like even mm. with the red overcoat yeah. like in the traditional rider weight deck that's shown in here and like some some of the frames like you can't help but think of the tarot right. when you look at this and this idea of like seeing and mysticism and mm-hmm. spirituality and like how do we deal with grief in in real life like how do you right. sublimate it you bring it out so the imagery of the movie is beautiful. The acting is just, it's wonderful. Oh, that's great. The ending was a little <laughs> for me. Sure. Now, but, was this the first movie you, like, realized you had a crush on Donald Sutherland in? Oh, it was Clute, actually. Yeah, Clute's such Which, a good one. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, I know Jane Fonda is the star of that movie. And, like, you when you watch her do her therapy scenes, like, as right. the call girl, that's yeah. just, like, it's un- uh, well, unbelievable. Well, she is the star, but also it's not called Brie. It's called Clute. So. I know. Which is like, yeah, which, which I'm always like, it should have been called Brie. But yeah. anyway, I just loved him in that movie. Like, I liked how he walked. I liked mm-hmm. how he, like, protected her. And, like, mm-hmm. it's like this, you know, country guy coming into the big city to solve this crime. And, like, <laughs> his, and, like, just him kind of being in every weird situation and just, mm-hmm. like, his his character through his body made me have a crush on him. Yeah. And also I think he is, I don't know. I, I just really like his long legs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Veda loves a lanky man. <laughs> Which so, I, I mean, how could I not have a crush on him? Like he is basically almost like all the physical attributes I like. Plus he has the seventies aesthetic, which you know, oh. I do love a mustache. Mustache, like, the curly hair. He wears a turtleneck well. He looks great in a coat. <laughs> like, how could I not have it? I just feel like it wasn't, I feel like even if I saw a picture of him without the movement, the mm. movement really took it to the next level yeah, for me. Yeah, 
I agree. I love how he moves. Mm-hmm. And I like how he, I like his eyes. Like when I, Great like, I eyes. just really like that. Mm-hmm. But I think even if I saw a picture of him, he's like, you know, he's exactly my type. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the 70s. Like, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I like these like normal looking people. Mm-hmm. They all look normal, but like good looking, you yeah. know? Yeah. But they're not like they're good looking in the way that you would see someone like walking down the street and be like you but you wouldn't like turn your head and like look around you would like you might clock them as they go by like oh that's a nice looking guy but like or you know someone that you could meet at like a friend's dinner party and be like that's a nice looking person but like good and i i don't know i just yeah i like i like that kind of aesthetic and i feel like also don't really see it as much in um some like more big budget movies that are coming out like I just like the looks the very normal look mm-hmm. he has well we talked about this like for a second before we hopped on but I mean I was just watching for the first time David Cronenberg's uh The Dead Zone last night um and that was a thought that occurred to me watching that because a little connection there it's also got Brooke Adams who is in Invasion of the Body Snatchers who I think she's a great example of this and that she's like a stunningly beautiful woman but in a way that looks like your friend could be like very beautiful yeah. not in a way that looks like she has been like done up in plastic surgery into oblivion and like and i'm so attracted to christopher walken in this movie because he like he is handsome but he's also weird looking (laughs) yeah you need a little bit of weirdness to convey the characters that they are also back to invasion of the body snatchers Mm -hmm. jeff goldblum also looks amazing speaking of lanky guys (laughs) with the curly hair like oh my god they're they're, the scene with them in the bookshop Like, I was like, why aren't book parties like this now? Yes, yes. Like, it looked really fun, even though everyone was being attacked by pod people. <laughs> and also, I also love, like, the animatronic flowers that mm-hmm. they use in the movie that come and, like, consume you and turn. Like, you know, <laughs> I just, I think they're so cool. Like, I oh, could great. those weird things all the time. And those, like, <laughs> orbs inside the flower that are, like, oh yeah so so well done so creative yeah and just like these images of everyone also like in that movie everyone becomes like is taken over by aliens but all Mm -hmm. they're doing is just going to work right right why like you're taken over by an alien like don't the aliens want to do something else why are they running a they're actually running a very organized society well again if we want to talk about present day san francisco I wouldn't say it's organized, though. Maybe not organized, but uh, coming in, destroying everything just to go to work. It's like, okay. It's, just, it's insane. I'm like, why are they all going to work? Like, well, it does does seem like a very of the era sort of like, there were multiple movies like around that time of that were about like alien invasion, but ultimately it was just like in the service of consumerism, like John yeah. Carpenter's They Live. Like, I mean, the whole thing is that like when, you know, he like puts on the sunglasses, it's like all the you know billboards and stuff say like consume buy <laughs> work yep it's and it's just like wow what an office romance like they're right. so in love with each other like how were oh that's the dream like, they were so like the chemistry in invasion of the body snatchers mm-hmm. like like donald sutherland and brooke adams like <sighs> they looked so in love in that movie like I think that's one of the big things about Sutherland compared to, I mean, there's so many actors that like, you just don't believe they really are in love with the person that they're acting against or, or even not like in love, but just like 
genuinely like interested in them, you know? And he is so good at projecting that he is interested in his scene partner. He really is. Like they seem like they're so in love. And I was like, how did this idiot boyfriend not realize that (laughs) this body Don Sutherland and his girlfriend are like flirting all day and happy love. And then they get to have this great week together Mm. where they're saving each other's lives and fucking in a field. And like, that sounds, I mean, okay, fine. That's not a bad way to go. Like you're with the love of your life trying to save the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then they like finally consummate this relationship that they've been flirting all however long that they've known each other I don't know I thought it was pretty hot oh it's so hot and like I think that this is all I mean I know we were just saying like ugh work fuck it but like I do think that one of the like uniting things of these three movies that makes the romance so hot in each of them is that like they are all also kind of connected by work so it's like you you can see them respect each other's competency Yes. Which is yes. so... Oh my God, that's so true. Right? It's all workplace romances. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's not just like, oh, I love, love your big tits. You're so hot. <laughs> like, like, yeah, all of these seem like based on an idea of like mutual respect, which is like so yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he, I don't know. It's just, they're actually, they're not, obviously they're, these are not rom, romance, romances, but mm. the romance is such a centralized part of the movie yeah. and they're, they're done so well. Mm-hmm. It really, really makes me care so much about all these characters. And mm. actually, I'm pretty sure that Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda dated after Clues. Because so I mean, like, how could you not? <laughs> right. Like, oh. I was so in love with both of them after that movie. Like, how could you God, not date? That's so sexy. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up um, Goldblum. So, like, speaking of our our lanky hunks, I think like the essential difference between the two of them, and why I tend to prefer Donald Sutherland's characters, is that like Goldblum is hot, but he and he he reads as smart, but he always seems like a skis. Whereas yeah, like does. Donald Sutherland why. is so good at projecting like decency. Yes, he just seems like a... De- where are the Donald Sutherlands? Like, where are these... Yeah, who's, like, guys? our equivalent, like, in movies right now? Like, who... I can't... I don't, know. I don't know if there's a character of, like, the decent, smart guy who is emotional yeah. and, like, does his stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. is not a dick. I had hoped back when Obvious Child came out that that guy, Jake Lacey... Um, yeah, he's cute. He's cute. And he has a decent he's guy. Seen, yeah, he was, like, good at playing just, like, a normal, nice man. But I think he's gone on to mostly play like, like avatars of the patriarchy, because <laughs> like, he was like the boyfriend in Carol, you know, who was like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, understand yeah. why you're hanging out with this old broad all the time. <laughs> and I think he's playing like a kidnapper in some show coming up now. <laughs> so weird because he actually like when he's styled, he can be such as like a simple, sweet guy next door, but yeah, he's not like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can think of like a couple of like comedy people, but of like act like I don't Sam. Know if there's a character like that that's popular. Like I feel like yeah. the characters that are popular right now are like the workaholic, mm-hmm. successful striver sort of character, yeah. or like the dickhead in Sally sort of character. Yeah. I feel like there's not. There really hasn't been like a I don't I, know something that's just like a normal nice guy. Yeah, I don't think that a lot of like, am the ambitious like you know, methody character actory guys, I don't think have much interest in playing like 
just solid sort of like decent men because I mean obviously like Donald Sutherland has also played his like fair share of psychos but like yeah but I yeah I don't think all three of these movies he's a decent man yeah like that is the character like a decent guy right which it also I mean I think that that was like such an interesting like niche in these kind of like you know ambitious in you know new Hollywood kind of movies like I mean most of those guys I think were more comfortable playing like the kind of assholes or crazy guys or creeps mm-hmm. or whatever um so I mean it was like you know kind of a niche of his also to play these kind of like you know solid solid men <laughs> yeah I think that's part of my reason for my crush on him it's just like I also really like what he shows through in these characters mm-hmm. and his kindness that he he leads with in these characters yeah he's like super hot so yeah I mean it's funny that like you have like this kind of he's almost got like a like a a Jimmy Stewart kind of like solidness or like a, or like a Henry, a Henry Fonda actually, mm-hmm. but like displaced into these like seventies movies where it's like, Oh, yeah. but it's like if Henry Fonda was like protecting a call girl. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like the situations are just really dark, but yeah. he comes in as this like wholesome presence. In yeah. A way. Right. Yeah. Without ever seeming like cheesy, you know, no, I think I that's the nice thing is that like he, he never comes across as though he's like, playing at decency it's Yo, just like there's a core of that there. that's the skill that's yeah the skill. yeah that's like an amazing like magic and trick <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting portrayal of masculinity that we don't really see as much anymore mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean I truly like I'm like racking my brain to think of like yeah yeah because I feel like there there's maybe some sort of like callback of like when men were men and like I feel like that's sort of like the Top Gun thing like part of the appeal it's of it. It's not like that though. I don't No, think. that's what I'm saying that like yeah. I think that that's the difference is that like he feels thoroughly modern, he doesn't he feels intellectual. Um it doesn't feel like any sort of like prop- you can propaganda. See his internal, he has internal struggles yeah. like he has trouble expressing himself in ways but then at the end of the day mm-hmm. he has this like he res- like respects his co-stars or like yeah. the respect the co-star like mm-hmm. you know yeah, so there's something there that comes through in the films mm-hmm. and, you know, probably just really developed my crush. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think that, like, so much of, like, yeah, the complexity of his roles and his portrayals is also, like, a reflection of the fact that, like, he's paired with women who are given given the same sort of complexity. Yeah, exactly. Because I think it's, like, really easy for, like, I don't know I, like there are so many movies where like a man can have like a show Bodhi role but it ultimately feels kind of hollow in part because like the woman that he's paired with like is so sort of flat I mean Julie Christie is so beautiful and like I think it's yeah. so beautiful but she, this role that she plays of this grieving mother who's looking for answers and mm. like it is a complex character and she's also playing an intellectual and you believe her yeah. you're like yeah I yeah. they're I, both intellectual yeah or include, I mean, like, you know, Fonda, like, in her analysis sessions, I mean, she's, her self-knowledge is so impressive, like. Yeah, she's just a brilliant character, that's a brilliant character. Such a good character, oh my god, the scene where she goes to the guy and she's, like, talking about, what is it, she's, like, an heiress or something, she's, like, role-playing with him. Yeah. Oh, oh god, it's so, so good. I, just, I don't know, and I, I think she improved a lot of those therapy scenes, so yeah, it's amazing. just, like what a performance yeah oh my god intelligent actresses honestly it's just all three are actually such great movies and they I don't know they they can fall into like I guess something that's a little campy but they're not Mm. like they always rise above it yeah you know it's I I really enjoyed watching all three of them and they're 
they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think seeing them in conversation with each other is, is a really neat way to watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there there's a level of uh, aesthetic, like there's a lot of aesthetic, like paying attention to aesthetics in the movies, like mm-hmm. whether it's colors, whether it's like these really interesting perspectives, because like you're looking at it through Donald Sutherland's characters mm-hmm. and you're switching over to the women. It's just, they're really visually engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know that we talked about it extensively earlier, but yeah, that like the idea of him watching, the idea of like him yeah. being someone who who looks and who watches. I feel like oftentimes, yeah, like we were saying earlier, that is often framed as sort of like a, a feminine role within within a film. Often, like you know, I feel like the man will be more verbose, and they'll have like a woman character who's like the observer. So it is really interesting to yeah. see that sort of like inverted with him overall love him love him where are the decent guys if you are a lanky decent man veda is single (laughs) hit me up yeah dm our instagram account (laughs) reach out to veda (laughs) she is on the prowl i'm off socials but yeah i am that's right a lanky so you know you can pass me the message like, yeah so a, you know everyone is hot pod at gmail.com is, <laughs> curly hair is uh preferred but not a must sure curly so, hair long legs yeah. kind eyes there you go like decent heart <laughs> <laughs> that's all we that's all we're looking for that's all i want you know <laughs> but it's so much to ask it's it's you know one thing i like i've the benefit of dating like a short king because I'm small <laughs> is like I can look them in the eye. But sure. the taller guys that I've like dated mm-hmm. or like I realized that I lose a lot of weight because I'm just like <laughs> trying to keep up with them. Like, they, That's like you're doing like six high. steps for every one that they do. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I like recently I was like I was like, whoa, I haven't uh like been with this taller person in a while and then yeah. I was like really moving fast and I was like, That's wow. So funny. I got I got to start running again. <laughs> <laughs> well, also as Michael and I constantly talk about the classic pairing of smalls and talls. Yeah, it's true. We it's love true. it. It's it's visually pleasing. It is. I think you see what the other person doesn't have, and you admire that. You yeah. know, like the taller person might like how compact and contained you are as a yeah. smaller person, and you have control of your limbs. I feel like taller people, their limbs are just <laughs> all different. over the place. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love a small and a tall. I will say I particularly love a really tall woman and a short little guy. Listen, I find that so pairing. hot. I think it's a great pairing. Like, I wish I were tall so that I could date a tiny little man. <laughs> Shelly, you love you love a short king. I love anyway. a short king. Oh <laughs> no, but it'd be so much sexier if I were also tall. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so we touched on earlier um the tarot imagery in don't look now so veda instead of doing a game this week veda has agreed to um do a little tarot reading for us of course so exciting do you have a question for the cards wait do i say it out loud or do i just think it in my head well i mean it might be better for the pod if you (laughs) sit silently on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to give it in detail like just give Give us a theme. Well, well, to to stay on theme with the podcast, um, will yeah, I I wonder if I'm going to have a, a new crush soon, maybe in my real life, not What's just it? Donald Sutherland. Oh my God, can Don's can there be like a version? Okay, let's so let's look at <laughs> Shelley's love life. Yeah, let's see what the cards have to say. 
Okay, Veda is okay, I'm shuffling, shuffling right cards. Now. All right. She's not doing any tricks. She's not like throwing them around like a, a blackjack okay. dealer. All right. Ooh, okay, let's pull out some cards. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay, so we're pulling cards. Got one, two. I'm pulling three cards. Three. So we have Seven of Cups. Okay, so let's describe what is on the Seven of Cups card. So it's a person looking at all of these cups with <laughs> different things inside of it, surrounded by clouds. Okay. So some of the stuff in the cups are like jewelry, but there's also a dragon, there's a ghost, mm -hmm. there's a snake, there's a face. Okay. Then we also have the Wheel of Fortune, okay. um, which has a wheel. With, <laughs> a wheel um, of fortune and four different animals around the card okay and then we have ten of cups mm -hmm. which shows a rainbow with some cups mm -hmm. and a happy family okay <laughs> so shelly i think you you have a lot of love interests or potentials coming in into your vicinity exciting but i think the challenge will be for you to see like, what is your imagined qualities of that person? Like, mm. and what is this person actually offering you? Ooh. Like, there are going to be people who you may not like, but mm. actually be a good fit for you. There might be people who you may like, but then they're actually a snake within. But it's like, you have to remove your own narrative surrounding the other person. Mm. Like you actually have to try to understand who they are. Right. And... There might be uh, a situation where, like, how do you also change your luck around romance? Ooh. Like, what type of, um, what's been working for you to meet people mm -hmm. who are more real or allow you to, like, actually get to know them? Mm -hmm. um, so thinking about that in terms of, like, how do you alter alter your approach or how you are and like there's going to be a there's going to be a few inch people who you might be interested in or who are interested in you mm -hmm. so how do you kind of change the approach Ooh. and I do think that it is a positive time it is cuffing season after <laughs> yeah. all so it is a positive time for you to find someone so I would okay. encourage you to get yourself out there but trying allowing someone to reveal themselves to you truly oh. and building out um, an emotional connection with them and tides are turning. So I do think you will be able to find that realness. So yeah, okay. get, get out there. It's a good time for love for you. I think. Damn. Oh my God. See, this is tough because I have been back on hinge. You can take a little screenshot. Ooh, it's a little, you want to take a shot on your phone. Cause it's a little uh, fuzzy. Yeah, so we'll we'll put this on the Instagram, this picture that Veda's going to take so that everyone can see what it looks like. But yeah, this is exciting. I've been getting back on the hinge, but I also have been torn because it is fall, so I like laying in my bed at night. Ooh, this is the best time to date. I don't think dating in the summer is fun. Everyone's yeah. away. It's too hot. This True. is also the best season for bars, I feel like, if you yeah. like going out. like Everyone looks good in a sweater. Everyone looks so much better. Like, I don't know. I yeah. just okay. don't like some clothes. So maybe yeah. this will like light a fire under my ass and make me start start going out more. Hopefully you find a a, a beautiful Donald Sutherland. <laughs> yes. Long legs and kind eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Veda, this was absolutely amazing. This was Always. so fun. 
always have a blast. Um, please get me on the show anytime. Yes. I have a lot of crushes and yes. I'm happy to talk about that. We love it. A woman after our own hearts. Now, Veda, is there anything you would like to plug, including your social I guess you don't have any social media I don't anymore. Have any media, but I will be singing part of the Fire Ensemble at the Shed if you're in New York. So come through. It's 1210. You can just check on the Shed website. So yeah. yeah, and there'll be other stuff coming up, but I unfortunately have removed my socials for the time <laughs> being. So. Wise, wise. This is what we all should be doing. <laughs> Um, I feel like I don't exist, but it's fine. I, yeah, I get that. I go to tag you in things all the time and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, am I real? I don't know. But I don't you know what? It's nice. It's, it's good. I like it. No, I think it's a very, very smart idea. I may come back one day. We'll see. Yeah. So everyone, um, you can send us DMs to our account if you want to pressure Veda into getting back on social media. <laughs> um, so speaking of, if you'd like to follow us, we are at everyone is hot pod. That's one as in numeral one, not O N E. Everyone is hot pod, and that's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you would like, you could leave us a review um, on Apple Podcasts. Leave us five stars, and in the review, tell us who your stealth sex symbol is, and we might just read it on the podcast someday. Um, but if you're going to leave us less than five stars, don't fucking bother. <laughs> just <laughs> kidding. We love it. We love you. Anyway. Beta, this was a treat. This was a dream. Always. Thank you so much for having me on. Yay. All right. I love you, girl. And everyone out there, stay horny. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.